Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Guess what? We're going to talk about cars. Hey, I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. Yes, we are the Motor Mouths. Thanks for listening in today for another exciting round of the Motor Mouths. And uh, first of all, we always start by asking you to get involved in the conversation with us. If you have a question or a comment about cars, either you're a car that's in your life, a car that you wish was in your life, uh, or otherwise, our contact information is really easy. 901-683-0989, 901-683-0989. We're all over social media. Of course, we've got the website, themotormouths.com. You can email us there. Any questions, gripes, complaints, concerns. You can find us on Facebook at themotormouths989. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. I am Ditch on Twitter for myself. We're going to uh, talk about a, a subject a little later today on the Motormouths that, honestly, you know, we have said before, we... We spend a lot of time talking about the EV car market as it is uh, ever-growing, but uh, we don't want to spend too much time in that because, obviously, uh, combustion engines are still the major part of our lives. Uh, but there is some news that we do have to address a little later. Yeah, you can't you can't avoid this stuff. It's gonna come. It's gonna come around one way or another. So yeah, the, the electric muscle is a thing. Now. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about some some news that we just got this week uh, about EV muscle, which to me just on the surface sounds really weird to say. But so we'll get into that. Also, uh, we'll continue our conversation about the first car you've uh, had, if you still have it. We always like to hear from you. Uh, about that and we've got some great text over the last couple of weeks about the first car you had do you still have it? do you wish you had it would you back? get it if you could would you get it back if you could that's right also uh, the worst car what's the worst car you ever had what would you not recommend i think uh you know if we were to do a poll and i don't know just thinking about the cars in general of the best car are the first cars that people have had most of them what would you say bud did we get more of was it the chevelle range do we got a couple of we got a surprising uh, number of el caminos el caminos that was right uh which which was, are like my favorite there was i still remember when i went to that chevy show and there was the 59 el camino with uh with a, an ls1 in it and it was literally perfect in every way those are those are those some of my favorites el caminos had sort of a rebel vibe to them they just yeah uh at the time not so much but then the years after that it was kind of like you were sort of a rebel if you had one of those. There, you it to drive one of those El Caminos sort of set you apart from everyone else in a in sort of a uh, rebellious kind of way. You know, you know, I've never seen one actually hauling anything. No, <laughs> with anything in the back, and the, except people, you can throw people back there. Because think about it, it takes a certain kind of uh, chutzpah uh, to drive around with that kind of car. Not because uh, you're driving around in an El Camino, but you got to fit the stereotype of somebody behind the wheel of an El Camino. You don't typically see nerds behind the wheels of El Camino, or or at least unless I'm driving one. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, you're not. You want to make an El Camino guy mad? Call it the mullet of trucks. The mullet, <laughs> and I've heard that before. Uh, so yeah, you uh, want to share your first car experience, what it was, uh, what it is, if it still is your first car. By all means, 901-683-0989. I have a, uh, I have uh, two daughters. One is 21 now. The other is 16. And I've been through the joyous position of first car for a kid. Yeah, the closest I've got to that is my brother calling me to ask me what I think about uh, certain, you know, I went with him to the dealership a couple times to find the car for uh, for, for his kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, they settled on a Chevy Cruze, which is something I would recommend. We did get a we did get a text uh, from Joshua saying he's looking for a 
car for his son, a, a first car for his son, and he was asking, you know, what we think about models, what we think about how to get a good deal. Two totally different conversations, but uh, the the major question, Ditch, I know we kind of we kind of jumped into this uh, earlier. The major deciding factor, I think, when buying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the major deciding factor if you're gonna uh, when you're looking for a car for your kid is, do you want a car that you want them to take care of, or a car that they don't have to worry about? Because some guys for their son or, or even even for their daughter, they want a car that they have to put some work into. My first car was that 72 wagon. I, it was a project, yeah. and it was my first car. But that's not exactly what you'd expect for everybody out there getting a car for their teenager. Unfortunately for my my daughter, when she got her car at graduation, it was a project car for me, unbeknownst to me and to her. <laughs> that wasn't part of the plan, I imagine. That was not part of the plan, but there was a couple of things that I looked at. Uh, general safety of the car, you know, cars these days are general, largely safe cars. I mean, because of regulations and how they've developed. Yeah, they're not going to put the steering column through your chest anymore. Nope. <laughs> There's a lot of those aspects of it that you don't have to worry about anymore. But then the other thing is the rollover ratio, uh, some of those safety kind of measures. If, you know, my dad used to always tell me, you know, he would get, he would give my sisters big, heavy cars. And I had like a Subaru Brat and then I had a Jeep. Uh, but that whole thing was you want something that's going to take impact. Do you want to be the one to take the impact? If you, you know, but nowadays cars are built completely different. Right. They're built to withstand impact and to protect the driver and the passengers. So that is an, an aspect that probably isn't as important. I, I mean, safety is number one, but uh, the manufacturers have uh, taken that into yeah, even, consideration. Even, car, even cars with like a passable rating are doing all right by, by comparison out there yeah. than to the older the older cars we've seen. So even the minimum safety regulations are going to be uh, a, st- a cut above anything that's you know made before like the eighties. So to Joshua's question about where to you know what to find a good deal, see, I went to an auction site and I got one and and I picked out one that was part of a police fleet because I figured, well, they're going to take care of it. Right. Yeah. You think it, that. It, well, that's exactly <laughs> right. But it, it had at, at point of purchase uh, when I won the auction, it had 160,000 on it. And uh, I figured surely it wasn't a squad car. It was actually a, a Nissan Xterra and it was used to transport canine. But right. not to crime scenes, but it was just used as a canine transport to and from veterinary, to and from the homes of the uh, of the canines partners and those kind of things. So it didn't have it did have the, the city logo on it, which I had to take off when I got it. But I figured, oh, this will be a good one for it. it should be well kept up, and generally it was in decent condition. Uh, cleaned it out, did a good detail on it. Her friends helped me because it was going to be a surprise at her graduation. Her friends helped me uh, clean it real good, and it it drove. The problem was, and you've pointed this out before, but this thing sat uh, out of service for at least that I know of eighteen months. Yeah, not even starting or turning up the the, the insides. Yeah, yeah. Situation like that, you want to drain the oil, right? And, and all that stuff we've talked about in the past. You know, spark plugs, all that. So I got it, Loom and it uh, she drove it around for a few months, and then she started talking about the uh, the engine kept overheating. Right. And uh, I was like, it's probably a thermostat. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Don't worry about it. Just don't. You know, just short trips here and there. Well. She should have worried about it, and I should have fixed what I said I was going to fix because then we had to replace the uh, the engine in it. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to let that go. That's actually something I, I just started putting up with. My uh, I was I was driving the other day in the HHR, and I had um, and, and drivers out there, you've probably seen this before. You'll see cooling mode on uh, appears on my dashboard. I look up and my temperature is getting too high. Uh, it's happened before. It's a, it's a common thing with the little two uh, little two point two. Chevy yeah. motors. It uh, I just needed to top off the coolant. You know, it's probably due for a flush. 
it hasn't had one since I've owned it. So I'm probably going to run the way the way I do my own flush is I get about eight gallons of distilled water and you fill it up, you, you drain it out, drain out the coolant, what you can. There's still always going to be some in the engine, but you drain it out, fill it up with distilled water, run it for about 20 minutes, drain it out, fill it up again with distilled water, drain it out. And you do that basically until the water is clear. Once it, once it stops looking milky or, or dirty, uh, you get it to where the, the usually about three runs through it. Any engine, you'll, you'll come out, you'll get pretty clean water. Then I run the cleaner through there, the, the coolant cleaner. Uh, or the cooling system cleaner, and then I put the fresh 50. I don't buy the 50-50. I buy the concentrated. You're and buying half myself. a gallon of water, yeah. man. <laughs> but uh, that's that's really not a not a big deal. The um, the one thing I wanted to I wanted to get to with with Josh's question is um, you're looking for like an SUV or a sedan, and yeah. you know if you're going for a sedan, first car again. If you want a car, your kid doesn't have to worry about it. it's just going to work. You get a Camry, you get a Corolla, yeah. Honda Civic. Well, it, you know, it's uh, I'll jump in here because uh, according to Car and Driver, the best sedans for first time drivers, Camry. Mazda 3, Subaru Impreza. Yep. It's an ex- almost identical list on Kelly Blue Book. They'll all kind of tell you the same yeah. uh, the same stuff to go for. And those are all in the mid-20s, low 20s. Uh, if you get a good uh, used Subaru Impreza, you're going to pay maybe 18 19 for it. Then the other aspect of this that you look at as a parent is the cost of insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they you put them on your insurance, of course, which is what you're going to do if it's 16 or 17 or 18-year-old maybe even. Um, but your average cost, just the average rate for a 16-year-old to insure at the minimum required insurance for a full coverage minimum is $3,300 a year. Oof. And it gets, that sounds right. Yeah, as they get older, 21, that falls down to 1250 and then by age 25, again, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, I remember my, my, my bill dropping when I like, turned yes! 25. Yeah. Uh, right of passage. But premiums are obviously high for teenagers, um, and uh, you'll see your ri- your rates drop. By the age 25, you'll see at least a 20% drop. Again, that's an average policy for somebody with a, with a car that is a few years old and just, you know, the minimum required not only for collision uh, but for comprehensive, and you can go and through. You can get a lot of discounts for, you know, if it's got um, theft prevention and additional safety features, lots of stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah Alarm absolutely. system. The, the, you know, talk to your insurance company. They'll let you know. But it's still it's still going to be awful paying for a teenager's insurance. That's the, You oh, can't really avoid it, that. It's, <laughs> you can and do you the know, best. But. That, that Nissan Xterra that I got for my kid, we ended up, uh, it became, became a project car for me, but she always it drove. I mean, she always had it to drive because outside of getting the engine replaced, there was a heater core replacement and some other ticky tacky things that right. happened, uh, and she she always had something to drive. But I was concerned about you talked about the SUV versus a sedan. I was right. I was concerned about her being in a little bit bigger car, a little bit higher profile. And what did she do? She flipped that thing how, end over end. How was the visibility? And uh, it was good. No, it was good. And what's interesting? Because you drive a truck and you feel like there's just a whole section of the road you can't, can't see. see. And it's something you, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. recommend that for a first time driver. Yeah, Xterras. You know, of course, they don't manufacture them anymore. I think uh, I don't remember the last year they made them, but uh, they are there. It's it's high enough. You get a little bit more profile out of it, but it, you still got good visibility. And again, this being part of a, a, a police fleet, the windows were tinted really dark. Right. Um, the siren. There actually was a siren on this car, and they left it on there. <laughs> the, the thing, you, the thing to, worry, to to watch out for if you're looking at an old like fleet vehicle, uh, or especially police vehicle, is you know you'll see police cars on sale on these government sites, 120,000 miles, but that engine has been running. 
yeah. constantly. You've pointed that out before. Yeah. Just because the miles are low. They don't put an hours meter on that thing. So, yeah. But, and again, if you're looking for a project, it's not a bad idea. If, if you have the means and the know-how, um, pull out that motor and do a rebuild on it. You know, rebuild kits for, for those uh, those Chevy engines aren't that bad. Maybe 400 max. Really? And uh, maybe, and that's bearings, piston rings. Um, you know, connecting rod bearings, the 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 cam, the camshaft bearings, which that's the most complicated part, I think, of rebuilding an engine is is the camshaft and doing dealing with the bearings and the camshaft. But uh, if you're if you're going that far, you probably don't have to bother remachining the heads or anything like that. But just to replace the piston rings and the 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 connecting rod bearings, the main bearings, and the you know the seals, not a bad idea. But again, are you buying? Are you Buying your kid a project or yeah. an appliance. And I think most people want their kid to just have a good, reliable right. car. Because I do know another, I'm, I'm, I'm talking, I'm giving you plenty of downsides to the car that I got <laughs> my kid. Because there was a few of those days, there was a night, and these were just mechanical things. Their alternator went out and she was traveling between here and Jackson, Tennessee. And she's right. on the side of the interstate. So, you know what I mean? Those kind of calls at night you don't want to have to deal with or right. in the middle of the day. So you probably want something with reliability. Um but the I tell other- you, uh, my brother bought a Chevy Cruze for his ki- uh, both both his uh, son and his daughter, and they both liked them. And they were yeah. that that was something I didn't ask you. How did you like the Xterra? Did she you like liked driving it. it? No, she liked it. She 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 liked it. I think also because it was her first car. It was right. Kind There's of, always going to be that. that that sort of nostalgia to it. And uh, now that she, she's lost it because of a car accident with it, she's uh, faster. What she's this one's on her now. I'm, you're getting your next one, not me. Uh, but she wants a sedan. She likes mm-hmm. the Camrys, um, maybe even a Volkswagen Golf. Uh. And, I, and uh, I was like, well, I, you know, it's funny because Car and Driver lists the Golf as the number one best car for teen drivers. Really? Yeah, and I don't know, primarily... If I, was, if I had to buy a Volkswagen, it would be a Golf. Yeah. But if here's the thing. Are you going to be the one maintaining that car? If you have to do the work, no. you might not want to. No, I, I got a good buddy who who, who works exclusively on Volkswagen. So. Well, there you go. Yeah, we got a good mechanic for it. <laughs> like, but, Patrick, but, I need you if, to help if, me. If, if, if you were going to be doing all the maintenance on that car, I'd tell you, go back to the go back to the Camry or the, yeah. the Honda Civic because they're much easier to, to, to work on. Volkswagen does some weird stuff with their engineering. The, the one thing I wish they would just stop is they have, not only do they, they don't have lug nuts, they have lug bolts. bolts. So it's it's... You have to line it up, and it's really it's really weird. I don't know why German cars have that. And then on top of that, they have these plastic caps that just take a bunch of extra time for the tech to have to remove. You always lose one. They're I don't know what the point of them is. They they look fine. They look better, but it's it, I I I'm still I still have a sore spot yeah. for the or the these stupid uh, lug bolts, man. <laughs> Not a fan. And, and especially if I'm working on my own car and I'm doing it, you know, in my driveway on a on a jack stand or in my garage without a lift. You know, yeah, I've never been a fan of that jelly bean body style that the golf has. I just, I know some guys, they, they, you know, especially in the street racing game, used to love those things. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, there's a lot you can do. They're a cool car. Yeah, I just, it's, it's one of those. It's, I, it's not my flavor. I wouldn't take it away from anybody. I'm not yeah. going to say it's a bad car. I just don't want one. Yeah, well, and you don't want to work on one. It sounds like either. No, not particularly <laughs> because of the, the the two letters VW. Uh, so that that's some input that we have. I hope that that was helpful, Joshua. On yeah. a first car, there's a lot of questions. Like I said, Bud brought up some good points, man. What 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 are you looking at? You're looking at uh, size, safety, and then of course the cost of insurance the and price. the other cost of fueling the car. Oh you yeah, know? we got that going on. Did you get your kid an EV? 
Or is yeah. it too soon for that? You know, a lot of guys they don't want to get they don't want to get their their kid for a first car something with a lot of horsepower. Now the car guys, it's the opposite. They want to they want they want to get their sixteen year old a four hundred horsepower monster, and uh, that usually does not end well. <laughs> but uh, you know, for the most part, you, you want to avoid giving your kid something that's that's that kind of outrageous because they they got to get some. Get some miles under yeah. their belt and some practice driving before they go out there racing people, you know. Absolutely. Um, so I hope that that was helpful. If you have something you want to add to it, maybe you've got a first purchase for your kid that you want to, a story that maybe you want to share that you can help uh, as well, something we forgot about. with. Uh, yeah, y'all are part of the conversation. We want to hear from you. And and any tips or tricks getting getting a deal because, you know, all our deals, we, we I mean, I tend to buy on, on Facebook Marketplace, you know, and you negotiate the way you do there. Dealerships, I've bought, I've literally bought, what, two cars from a dealership, and it was not a painful process. Yeah. I, got, I got what I wanted. I paid what I wanted. And I didn't have to, I didn't have to, you know, you, you see so many articles about, you know, five tricks the dealership uses to make you spend more money, and you can, you can go down a rabbit hole on YouTube or on any of these websites, and it's all going to be, it, it, you know, it, it may help you, but it's it's going to be on a case-by-case basis with it. it. Every salesman is is different to a point, and every dealership is going to be different. But, you know, I, I, again, the, the best thing you can do for yourself is be patient. You know, be yeah. willing to walk away. You have a good deal. You don't know how you feel about it. Maybe it's a good deal. Maybe it's not. Be like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch. And if, some, if they sell that car... You find another one. There's going to be other cars, you know. So yeah. it, the the worst the worst thing against you with spending too much money is just being in a hurry. The and the art of the deal to quote uh, somebody uh, the art of the deal when it comes to buying and selling cars is the ability. The s- number one anybody will tell you this. The number one ability. Uh, the number one uh, win is the ability to walk away. Right. No deal is so good that you can't walk away from it, and especially when it comes into cars. And you know what? The other thing about the 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 way that we have that we buy cars now is and even sell them privately but p- purchase them through dealerships has changed so much over the years that a lot of those those uh, those issues that maybe people have had in the past with going to a dealership to buy a car a lot of that's all been debunked through the internet and been we've been able to you know we we know so much now about the about the dealership and all those backroom secret deals that oh don't yeah, get the undercoating he's got to go talk to the the man the manager and and come back with some other number and all of these things that are in the the ticket that you don't really know about and all that stuff has pretty much been uncovered and either debunked or just exposed or to not the as, buying public. Not as pervasive as, as they make it yeah. sound. All the dealership salesmen I've ever dealt with, just they're just trying to sell cars. They're just trying to job. make a living. There. Yeah, exactly. and, and you need a car. They need to sell a car. And like anything, like any business, you got to be on the lookout for people trying to scam you or get more money out of, out of you than they can. But, yeah, like you said, a lot of those old tricks that everyone kind of talks about, it's you don't really see that anymore. Especially, you know, you go somewhere like CarMax, they don't, uh, they don't negotiate the well, same I way. Well, I think like CarMax is one of those that sort of led that charge of kind of changing the way that the car business works now. And, of course, now with Internet websites, you can look up the car and get all the details about it before you even set foot on the lot to take a look at it and take it for a test yeah, drive. You can get so. the car facts and see if it's yeah. had any, any major repairs or issues. So we're going to talk about electric vehicles here in a few minutes. And... Uh, There is one aspect of the EV industry that I think we haven't talked a whole lot about. And when this story broke uh, earlier uh, this week, uh, Bud, you said we got to talk about this. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you know, you were were talking about how, you know, 
electric vehicles can be can be you know it's kind of it can be kind of annoying because we keep hearing about them and you can't really avoid it. And the polit like I've said every week, the politics are ruining all the fun. Yeah. No one talks about how fun they are to drive. And there you know there of course there's the issues the power grid and there you know the the cost and the the the, the range anxiety and all that stuff. But the the one conversation I never get to have is well oh, this is fun you know <laughs> so yeah. uh, I want to and it looks like Dodge is kind of answering that like they're they're making a car for people who want to have who want to have fun while they're driving. Oh, this should be interesting. So we'll talk about that here coming up next. Again, you can reach out to us at 901-683-0989. That's 901-683-0989. Anything we just talked about you want to get in, add to, have questions about, by all means, get involved in the conversation here today with the Motor Mouths. I'm Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motor Mouths. Like dropping an LS3 and an AMC Pacer. The Motor Mouths, Ditch and Bud on News Talk 98.9. Yeah, we're here to talk about cars, and that's why you're here, to listen to us talk about cars, and maybe you learn something. Maybe we'll learn something from you. 901-683-0989 is our Rick's Powder Coating text line number, 901-683-0989. On social media, we got themotormouths.com. You can email us there, themotormouths989 on Facebook. And, of course, you can get me directly on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. At I am Ditch for myself on uh, Twitter. We have a question we'll get to here in just a couple of minutes about tire wear. Uh, also, we are going to talk a little bit about EVs with a very specific EV that has not gotten a lot of attention uh, in this whole EV market and it's the landscape. About to. <laughs> and it is about to get, I think, significant chatter. I've already heard some uh, legacy networks talking about it when the news broke this week. And it's it's significant to the marketplace for sure. And it has, you know, as Bud pointed out earlier, all the talk has been about infrastructure, politics, the climate control battle, all of these things that appear to be politically motivated for EVs. But there is another aspect of EVs that's not getting talked about. And we're going to address that here in a few minutes on the motor mouse we want to remind you coming up is the delta river cruising show one of the biggest car shows i think of the year in the area presented by memphis street rods this is the 21st annual yeah we just had those guys on to talk about it they're getting excited it's looking like it's going to be good stuff. I, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'll be there. I don't know if I'll well, be there for the whole weekend, but I'm definitely going to get myself out there. Well, they expect at least 1,000 cars, 1992 or older, for this. And it starts on Thursday, September 15th in the parking lot of the uh, Hollywood Casino. I like how you guys do down here in the south. All your car, all the good car shows are going on in the fall because yeah. it's it's nice out trying to go trying to go uh, out to a car show in 100 degrees is oppressive it's just not a, it's not the, it's not the fun the way it should be uh, i and you know i see why the guys do the early cars and coffee stuff on saturdays because you do it in the morning before the the weather really That's heats right. up but i'm sorry i love cars but just not enough to get up at seven in the morning i'm sorry <laughs> but I'm sorry guys but does have a limit okay <laughs> uh one thing to know about the delta uh, river cruising car show is they had extended the registration, initially it was before August 1st, it was $30, but they went through the month of August, so you'll save 5 bucks if you've still been thinking about getting your car in the show. The registration fee through the end of this month is $30, then after it goes up to 35 bucks, and they also have registration, uh, vendor registration, which is only 30 bucks. Yeah. That's not bad. Get your table out there. And, of course, spectators are free. There's no there's no admission free for the show itself. And there is a uh, swap as well, a swap meet involved in this. 
thousand cars, man. That's a lot of look. Hey, the other thing that you should know about this that they pointed out to us when they were in studio, a lot of, most of, did he say 60% of their cars for the Delta River Cruise and Car Show come from out of state, yeah. out of the area? So they're, they're, they're traveling the distance to get here. And these aren't cars that you would typically see in area car shows throughout the year. Because a lot of the guys will take their car to all the different shows. And you say, oh, yeah, I saw that last weekend. I, I always love those big annual shows because you get stuff like that. You get cars you just don't see that often. There's one I go to in Chicago on Father's Day. And it's held by the uh, the Classic Car Club of America. And they they get cars that are, you know, one of a kind. They come out of the garage like three times a year for that show. Wow. So uh, those big annual shows are usually there's you're going to find something good to look at. So the 21st annual Delta River Cruise and Car Show, September 15th through the 18th, Hollywood Casino. Uh, all right, let's talk, uh, let's address a question we got, huh? Yeah, so this one comes from Linda on the Rick's Powder Coating text line. Again, 901-683-0989. If you got a question, issues, gripes, complaints, concerns, just send them to us. Uh, she says, I, uh, Bud and Ditch, I noticed that my driver's side tire is wearing down on the outer edge. Is this an issue with the tire or my suspension, and what should I ask the mechanic for? Mm, that's, again, of, that's from Linda. Thanks, Linda, for the question. A lot that's of couple of, or others to a talk about lot, there. A lot, lot of things to tackle there, but I'll let you start. Well, probably, I mean, no matter what, whether it needs repair or not, you need an alignment. That's yeah, I was say, nine, a, nine times out of ten, outside. Nine, 99 times out of 100, there is something that's probably, I mean, so you got, you got, I don't know, without getting too detailed, you got camber, caster, toe. Those are the three alignments. So, you know, for folks who, who have no idea where I'm going with this, the uh, the alignment is basically your car needs to go straight, and when it's turning, they don't they don't turn equally. The two tires don't turn equally. They have to be set to turn uh, so they're going the, on the right track because your outer tire is going to, you know, it's got a longer distance to travel. It's got a different angle it's going. So there's a lot going on with the alignment. So the camber caster toe is, that's it's basically the three measurements. If I try to describe it here on the radio, I'll drive everyone crazy. But uh, <laughs> basically, uh, an alignment is going to make sure at least the car is going straight. Now, what's happening with that outer edge wear is either either the wheel is not aligned, it's not standing straight perpendicular to the street, it's leaned out, or if your uh, toe is in, which means the front of the tires are kind of closer to each other so that they're fighting each other as you're trying to drive, uh, that's going to cause that additional wear. And you can get that additional wear without the car veering off. Like you not, won't even know it. It could still drive straight yeah. and get that kind of wear. Now, if it's extreme enough, you probably have to replace the tire. If, well, if, if you notice it early, you might get away with it if you measure it and notice it early. But if the one side is like bald... On the outside, you're probably going to have to replace the tire. And, you know, I've, I've had a car where the toe has been so out, uh, so out of whack that you could hear the tire squealing when you, yeah. uh, when you, you turn, turn corners. just enough. Common. You can hear it squealing. Yeah, that'll like, happen. <laughs> I've got an alignment problem. But now what about the other thing that is the what would be the first and simplest thing you'd look at, and that's the air pressure? In the tire. Uh, absolutely. What, what what happens with it with air pressure is if you are overinflated, if you're put and I've had these crazy guys when I was working at the tire shop, they'd be like, put 45 in my tires. I'm like, sir, excuse your your it calls for no, I know my car. You put 45 in there. And they they are so serious and so intense about it. Like they they just they just know better than the manufacturer. Nut nut jobs. Uh don't overinflate your tires. <laughs> the uh the place to find your tire pressure is in the door jam. You open up the door, there's a little plate there, it'll either be on the door or on the door jam itself, and it'll tell you where to where to put your tires and if if you can't find that 32 is a safe number but if you've got like a mercedes you know uh any of these crazy german cars they might even have where it's you know 32 in the front 38 in the back it just it depends it's, it's what the man and the reason you go by the door plate is that is taking into account 
the suspension, the weight distribution of the car, the amount of power it has, all of the manufacturer figured this out during the, you know, during the engineering phase of this whole process. So uh, just because the tire says it can handle up to 45, it does not mean put 45 in there. So anyway, if you're overinflated, the inside track Around of the, middle the tread of it, right? is yeah. going to wear out because the tire is kind of being lifted up off it's the ground. It's ballooned up, yeah. and so the middle of your tire is going to wear. And you have, you have less contact with the ground as a result, too, which is, again, why you shouldn't overinflate your tires. And then the opposite, if it's underinflated, the opposite happens. The outer edge of both sides will wear out before the center because uh, your tire is kind of sagging and there's more. I mean, you're getting more of a footprint. And there are times to lower your uh, lower your pressure, like if you're stuck in the snow or something like that, mm -hmm. lowering pressure. But that's not a problem you guys have down here in Memphis. So, um, you know, and then off-roading, you see like the off-road guys. And I'm sure the Jeep guys could get in, get into this, you know, when you're when you're doing uh, rock crawling or doing any kind of off-roading, lowering your pressure is going to give you a nice fat footprint. But again, this isn't for, you know, for an everyday driver. This are extreme circumstances. So checking your tire pressure is definitely uh, first and foremost. But uh, if you're getting a big wear pattern on the outside of your tire, uh, it's going to need an alignment whether or not it needs a repair. You might have a bad tie rod. You might have a bad ball joint, especially if there's some kind of rattling or clunking going on in the front. It could be a loose ball joint, something like that. If, if you have patch wear where it's just it's in patches, that typically will point to the balance of the yes. tire. Uh, we also so, call that cupping. Cupping, yeah. And so you got to, you know, there's a couple of different things in your tire will basically tell you by looking at it. Uh, I have some outer, uh, I have some tire wear on the outer and inner parts of one of my tires. And I just know it's always low. I need to, I need to patch the tire or just get a new one. Yeah. But it's a, basically an even wear around inside and outside of the tire, which indicates to me that there's just not enough in there. Uh, and so I'll go fill it up. And I'll be one of those guys. I'll overfill it. And the only reason I do that, bud, is to get me a little bit longer before I have to overfill it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, I'm still not going to support that, but, I mean, whatever works. But, no, I mean, I, if, 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 I was, if I was behind the desk at, at the tire shop, I'd tell you just replace the just, darn tire I, already. Which I'm going to do here sooner you know? or later, so, uh, yeah. among other things. So, uh, again, thanks for, that, thanks for that question, Linda. And, again, any other issues, gripes, complaints, concerns, questions, hit us up on the Rick's Powder Coating text line 683-0989. Have you ever tried to, uh, speaking of alignment, have you ever tried to do the alignment using the string method at your house? Yeah, I, I actually, I learned, my first alignment I learned on the 1950 Willys that, that my uncle left me. And he we went to his work because they had a flat floor, uh, the, the floor at my garage back in Chicago is is it's actually kind of like uh shaped where it, it it all concentrates at the center on the sewer cap so the oh, water yeah. runs to it so it's not flat you need a flat surface and you use a what was it a level I mean I was young oh, you used yeah. a level you use the string and the and a, and a um a yardstick and uh man when when you get to the when you get to the shop and they've got the 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 lift with the lasers the and lasers, everything to just, just do like, the work and and not just that but it's got the instructions for every single car the the one that most shops have the alignment rack most shops have have a scanner and you just scan the barcode and on that on the plate inside the door jam and boom all the specs are in there that you need and it'll it'll actually give you instructions on how like how to do the See, adjustment that's another example of what we talk about when you go to a shop that's one of the things you're paying for the equipment and the knowledge and the expertise oh, that, and this that precision like, that 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 alignment rack i think is like 30 grand yeah like it's it's no joke and but it i mean you can knock out so many cars and a lot of places like the tire shop i worked for a lot of places will offer warranties with their alignment I, i've three of my cars i have a lifetime alignment warranty on them so i can take them to the shop 
uh, anytime. It's a chain place. I can take it to any one of them and get an alignment when I need one. And if you just got a car and you're putting new tires on it, just it's one of those. If you're planning to have this car for more than a couple of years, pay the extra to get the lifetime warranty and then just keep getting alignments as you need them. Because every time you change tires, you want to have your alignment checked and possibly adjusted. Every time you get any kind of suspension work done, new shocks, struts, absolutely, t- uh, tie rods, or ball joints, and, uh, control arms, any of that stuff, you always finish it with the alignment. That's always the, the last part of the process. So there's no reason not to not to set yourself up for that one. And alignments are important, you know. I mean, it, it, it it's going to be healthy for the car to have a, yeah. to have a good alignment whether it's good for your suspension your tires all that stuff so don't 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 skimp on the they're not they're not upselling you if they recommend an alignment one thing i got to say about uh, evs as we transition that's not going to change with all the mechanics of evs changing how the auto industry is going to repair cars the one thing that will still remain is tires is tires yeah that's the, the, those will still stay in business. and brakes to an extent. Yeah. The regenerative brakes are are reducing the amount of wear you're going to have to deal with though, because you know regenerative brakes. You hit the brakes, it transmits all that energy. It, basically, it turns the the motor into a, a generator and it absorbs it all that energy down on and its then own. puts that uh, energy back into the battery. But uh, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm dying to talk about this thing. So Dodge. We, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. We talked about how Dodge was phasing out the Hemi, and then there were some rumors that that's not going to happen, but uh, it appears to be the case. They are phasing out the Challenger and the Charger, and they have just announced their new EV. It's the Dodge Charger Daytona SRT Concept EV. That's a, that's a mouthful, but wow. this thing, it actually looks pretty cool. They said it's going to have more horsepower than a Hellcat, and it, it looks very much like a Charger, very futuristic design. Of course, it's a concept, so lots can change. There's a wing in the front of it, it sounds crazy, but they actually it, they make it work. It's basically like like the the hood baffles, but the, uh, it's in the shape of a wing. It's all wheel drive, but it's it's got a few things that I think are kind of goofy. They're trying to kind of they're trying to appeal to the muscle car crowd, the guys who say I want my big angry V8 and and manual transmission and and of, and of course I love those cars. I'm not knocking them. They're trying to they're trying to make something those guys might want. It's a, it's a, it's a, I will say this is a badass looking car. I mean, it really is. It doesn't detract too much from the, uh, you know, from the muscle cars, uh, from the Dodge muscle car family. This Charger looks, and I'm assuming it doesn't quite feel like the V8 with Hellcat, obviously, because of the uh, engine, but it certainly looks it. It certainly looks the part. And that's what guys who have muscle cars want. They want something that looks mean, but there's another big aspect to this that, you got a question. Yeah. They're, again, they're, they're, so I, some of the, the features they're putting on this car makes me think of like impossible meat or vegan beef, you know, where it, they're trying, the impossible burger. Yeah. They're, they're trying to make it something that a meat eater would want, but it, it, it's, it might fall short. It's, they've got this compressed air system that they call the Fratzonic system. It's basically compressed air to simulate the sound of an exhaust. And oh, it, it's, no. it's so unnecessary. I think it's cool <sighs> that EVs are silent. Like, that's, I'm okay with that. So they, that on there, and then there's a, they put a transmission in it. They, they're being kind of cryptic about what's going on with this transmission, but it has a shifter. And it's got multiple speeds. And for for anyone who's not familiar, electric cars don't need a transmission. A transmission is there to harness the power of the internal combustion engine 
And basically, on, 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 on low gear, engine's revving really high, but you're not getting a lot of speed, but you're getting a lot of torque. And then as you go up the gears, you get more speed, less less torque, but more mm-hmm. horsepower. It's not necessary for an electric car. The electric motor can spin to whatever speed you need it to. So it's it's kind of quite, I mean, you get the you get the feeling of shifting, but it's, again, it, it's, it's not necessary. So I don't know. But you got to hear this. So there, I got an audio clip of the exhaust quote-unquote exhaust sound this oh, thing makes okay. and it's kind of i don't know how to feel the about charger it. charger daytona here we go uh, i mean it, 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 it and, and that by the way that sound is not necessary to make the it has, that has nothing to do with the speed it's of the car. Completely aesthetic, can you say aesthetic yeah. for audio? But no, yeah, it's, it's, it's vanity purposes for the car. I mean, Dodge CEO Tim Kuniskas says uh, that the you know those who want these cars want fast acceleration, but they also want the feel and the sound of the cars. We're bringing to market to uh, something customers did not see or hear coming. That's their pitch for this thing. Well, that, that goes back to what I'm saying. It's better if you don't hear it coming, right? Just <laughs> you're just gone. But it's I don't. I, I, what bothers me is that anyone who hears that is going to know exactly what that is. Yeah. Like it's it's just this fabricated noise. You know, I'm now, a big boy with a big car engine. <laughs> just, just so you know, like but these. This actually is a is a. I, I can't call it an exhaust system, but it is. It the, there's baffles in the pipes, and the sounds are not produced by speakers. Uh, the sounds come. You know, most electric cars. Are, are if you you they're silent basically yeah. you, you know and, and Tesla's got some sounds and some some of them have said well we got to add some sort of noise to it so and they had an opportunity to use Tesla's idea of putting rockets on the back of the of the back of the thing and they went with compressed air to sound like an exhaust now like where, where are our rocket powered EVs man it says the air pulses vary in speed and force depending on how fast the uh, electric motor is going and uh, uh, with the push with the pressing of the accelerator, Obviously, becomes you know it can go up to 126 decibels according to Dodge. Yeah. So it's 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 good and loud, that's for sure. But that does not sound like to me. That just sounds like a revving. It doesn't sound like a car to me. It doesn't sound like a motor. I I just I'm not sure. I to me, dude, this is uh is it's a bit of a reach. The car looks great. Yeah. Uh, no, no, and don't get me wrong. I'll bet it's fun. like and it, and I got I got to say they they put this transmission in there and for one reason and for one reason only. It's for fun. It's for, yeah, and and it's, that's what I've been wanting out of out of EVs. They've been very sterile and kind of boring for the most part as they're trying to make this transition. And again, the one thing that irritates everybody is is the politics and this sort of rush to switch to them. But something like this, the manufacturers are trying. They they they're trying to make things that that people want and. You know, I don't want to sit here and say this whole thing is stupid and they're not making real cars anymore. I mean, you, you can't you, you're just going to you're just going to be bitter and angry if you if you go down that road of just, you know, oh, I want my you know, I don't want electric cars. And this is all done. you're going to we're going to have to embrace them sooner or later. You know what this what this looks like the, as I'm looking at the more of the pictures from the front on looking at this Dodge Charger Daytona SRT, the concept car. Anyway, it looks a little bit like what was that talking car? The um, uh, oh, Knight Rider, Knight Rider. It's got and that was a Pontiac Firebird, wasn't it? Right. And it looks a little bit like that as far as the sleekness and the front of it. Yeah, it looks more like the Charger. I'm sorry, it looks more like the Challenger, Challenger yeah. but they're calling it the Charger. Charger. They're going back to the two-door Charger, so it's it's kind of a mishmash, and they put the Daytona moniker on that, which I don't think that's something they've been doing. I don't think I don't think there's ever been a Charger Daytona. 
I might be wrong about that. I should look it up. Now, Dodge says they don't have, they're not going to release the information about how much power the all-wheel drive electric motor will produce. They're not announcing that yet. All they've said is faster than a Hellcat. Yeah. And it's, uh, and now the Hellcat gas-powered rear wheel will go 60 in 3.7 seconds. And if th this is faster than that, you know, that. I believe it with the with the acceleration. I mean, go right back to the, we, we drove the, the F-150 Lightning. That thing. That thing launches, and that's the truck. Yeah. So if this thing is specifically designed, it, and it's got it's got launch control, it's got multi, it's got sport mode and eco mode and all that, like you're like you expect. You know, pretty standard stuff coming out of uh, electric vehicles right now. The uh, date of production has not been released, and of course that means we don't know when they're actually going to be sold yet. It's still in the concept stage. Yeah, and, and if you've seen concept cars before, you know there's there's changes that they're going to be making before they actually make a production model. You know, I always remember the Honda Element kind of always makes me upset because I saw that as a concept. And it was called the Honda Model X, and it had these cool futuristic seats. The floor was completely flat with diamond plating. It looked really cool. And then when they released the actual version of it, the seats got kind of, they, they took out the futuristic seats, put some standard SUV seats in there. You know, that, that's the one that always sticks in my mind. But I've seen a lot of concepts come and go, and, you know, they'll, they'll take some elements, but they kind of make it more grounded in reality. They take a lot of the futuristic catch-your-eye kind of stuff that's, like, I wonder if that, that front wing will stay on the uh, on the final I, version. There's I like hope this, it does. Yeah, and it's supposed to be really good for the aerodynamics of the car because it, it pushes, um, pushes it down. Pushes it down. You get a lot of downforce on the, on the front end of the car car with the way they have and it's not like a it's not like a wing like the the they had on the Countach in the cannonball run movie where it's this weird goofy out of place thing it, it you don't even notice it's there it's basically like, like they just they just opened up the grill you'll i'll share pictures on the social media you know the motor miles uh 989 on facebook i'll put some pictures of this thing out in the articles that here's we're talking my, about here's my question about this this charger daytona while they they've got the baffles to produce the sound there's still a part of evs that they just cannot mimic that combustion engines provide. And that is sort of the feel and the rumble that you feel of these, especially these muscle cars when you're driving them. Yeah, the vibration the, from the, the vibration the of the engine. And you, you're not going to have that. So will they go as far as jumping the shark to produce that? Maybe, probably not. I mean, I, I, again, again, I, I'm, I don't think the exhaust thing is really necessary, but... You know, no, it, I, I don't think it it's is It's an either. experiment. They're they're throwing it out there, yeah. seeing if, if people will be interested. I mean, it might surprise us. They might sell a ton of these things. Who knows? But the, the, the thing that gets me excited, Ditch, is they're making electric cars for people who want to enjoy driving, for people who want to have fun while they drive. And maybe not everything they're putting on this, you know, this Charger Daytona is going to stick, but they're they're trying to make cars that people want yeah. to drive. And, and they are addressing, I commend them for that. And I will, you're right, I'll give them credit for addressing the things that people who are still skeptical about EVs, like the, the sound of the pipes and, you know, the transmission, that's going to be an interesting... I'm curious to see. They call they call that the erupt transmission system. They have not been very forthcoming with information of how it's put together, is how it it's manufactured. Is it You actually do shift gears. It's an elect electromechanical shift system. That's oh, wow. all I've got. So we'll, we'll dig into that more. Of course, I'm going to jump on any opportunity to drive one of these things. But, I mean, the, the F-150 was a concept, and I didn't get to drive one for more than a year after hearing about it. So who knows how long it's going to be before I get behind the wheel of one of these things. But, I mean, any opportunity I get, I'm going to take it. All right. So what do you think about the the potential car? I mean, I think they've kind of jumped the shark on this. But I do like the fact that uh, Dodge is trying to address the things that people like us here on the Motor Miles have been talking about. If you have a comment about the Charger Daytona, 
doing some research on it yourself or uh, some things you want to address, let's go. 901-683-0989. Also, thanks to Joshua, who uh, texted in on a Rick's Powder Coating text line with a question about buying a kid their car for the first time. You know, as a parent, you want to make sure it's the right car for a lot of reasons. Cost involved, dependability, safety, and all that. And we hope that we answered some of those questions for you, Joshua, on some of the best cars to uh, to get for your kids. Some of those from Car and Driver, and they're all pretty general. Get the Camry, and uh, 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 those are cars that you don't have to worry about as far as dependability and safety, uh, and low insurance cost as well. Uh, and we talked about tires. Got to make sure that your tires have enough air pressure in them and when to know when you need an alignment. Uh, and your tires will tell you when. All you have to do is look at them most of the time. It's pretty easy. If you want to reach out to us, 683-0989 or online. At themotormouths.com. Email us there or hit me up on Twitter at Bud Motormouth. At I am Ditch for myself on Twitter. And guess what? I am Ditch. I'm Bud. And we are the Motormouths.